This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 519, recorded on January 6th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average TV studios. Here in what I thought was cold, we, we were four below uh, the other morning, and then I I said to Aaron, Aaron Lawrence is with us tonight, Aaron, how's the weather? And she said it's 39, 39 below Celsius, below. which we found out Celsius and Fahrenheit uh, come together at right. that moment. Aaron, welcome to Home Gadget Geek. Thank you, hope, Jim. Always home. good to be how, here. How do you stay? How does that work? Like, how do you guys... <laughs> You must have to have insulation that's like eight feet thick in homes and stuff. Is that, is it just everything built that way? Well, the furnace basically never shuts off. So, you know, um, for starters, there's wood burning stove or just get just natural gas. We we did, we renovated and had to remove it. Um, so we no longer have that, but we do have a gas stove elsewhere in the house and, you know, sweaters and blankets and extra blankets at nighttime. (laughs) And I've, uh, I've got a smart thermostat that generally will set the temperature a little lower overnight as you want a smart thermostat to do. But we have to turn that off right now because it's just too freaking cold for that. And it gets too cold in the house for it to <laughs> for it to dip and you not to notice it. Yeah. 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 I would we we'd, one side of the house is really cold. It's over the garage. Mm-hmm. And so and the, and the garage stays just a little colder than everything else. And so that room has Always. electric blankets in it and some extra. Just, just for the nighttime, just for nighttime comfort. So it, it, I just can't, that would, you just got to be ready for 40 below. Like you, yeah, that's, yeah. you can't mess around with that. Gotta have the you right know, those room. microwave hot packs, we will often go to bed with two or three of those in the bed and then kind of get in and get under. And I mean, that helps a lot. I yeah. actually forgot about electric blankets. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah, no, they're, they're helpful. I, I run a little warm. So even on a cold night with extra blankets, I'm fine that way. Um, but, uh, the wife likes them. So we, we've got, Mm -hmm. we have a couple, well, um, we're glad you're safe, stay safe. Hopefully it'll warm up here a little bit for you, but we appreciate you coming out. A couple reminders. Uh, if you're listening one, don't forget, we're now premiering these, uh, home gadget geek episodes Saturdays at noon central on the YouTube channel. If you go to the average guy.tv slash YouTube, it'll take you to that subscribe. So you don't miss one. And then on Saturdays, we get together Saturday afternoons, we get together, just kind of watch it again. And I can, I can actually chat a little bit more cause I'm not having to worry about what's going on on the show. And so if you want to join us, uh, if you, if you're a regular, well, even some of the regular listeners that come out on Thursday nights have been joining us on Saturday, Saturday noon central on the YouTube channel, the average guy.tv slash YouTube. And then don't forget, Mike has asked that we do a post-show Discord, like audio Discord. We're going to do those the last Thursday of every month. So January 27th, 2022, if you want to join us for the live show, after the live show, we'll all move over to Discord and kind of just do a Discord hangout. We're going to give it a try and and kind of see how that works. So if you want to join us on the 27th, you can do that as well. Aaron Lawrence is with us. And Aaron, it's CES time. How is Las Vegas? (laughs) 
sad violin. Even at negative 40, though, do you think, uh, would you rather not, would you rather be home than in Vegas, even at negative 40? No, I think I, I'm thinking now, like even, you know, desert winter temperatures in Vegas would have been a good idea. Yeah. But, you know, COVID and everything else, I just decided that it probably wasn't worth the risk to attend one of the largest events, you know, in the world, not just tech world, um, and kind of threw in the towel on going in person, opted to cover a lot of things remotely, which we're all really good at now. So, yeah, I think yeah. the weather would be better yeah. in Vegas, but uh, my chances of maybe catching the old Omicron might be a little higher. So yeah, a little bit. I'm happy here in my little in my little tiny square box world. It's hard to believe it was two just two years ago that, you know, that we what may have been the very first super spreader event here in the United States, which was CES 2020. And mm-hmm. and so, you know. You kind of, and I'm, no accusations. It is what it is, you know, but, but, um, it's, it's weird to think that was just two years ago because yeah. it feels how like, things have changed. I know it feels like a lifetime. You know, we always say, as we get older, uh, you're not getting any older, but as I'm getting older, uh, we always say, Oh, time goes so fast. Well, thank goodness yeah. for COVID. Cause it slowed it. It slowed it. It right feels down. like it, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, all of a sudden you're kind of like it's Groundhog Day every day. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Have you felt like you've been able to cover CES pretty well remotely? Um, And would that have been different two years ago if you were trying to do it remotely in 2020 or even 2019? Do you think it would have been harder? I do. I was at the 2020 event. Um, It was the last time I was there in person. And I mean, it was great, you know, and in 2020, we weren't set up for this kind of stuff. And then when the pandemic hit, I think everybody got really good at zooming, FaceTiming and everything else and doing all the remote work within the space of a couple of months. So last year, CES was completely digital, completely zoom, virtual events all the way around. Um, And this year was kind of meant to be a hybrid. I think they were, I think they were thinking that about 80% of people would show up and do the in-person thing. And I was one of the people that was fully intending to come to Vegas and show up. And in the week before Christmas, you just saw major brands dropping out. LG dropped out, Amazon dropped out. Um, And then so many, you know, of those more mid-sized to smaller brands started dropping out as well. And I just thought, you know, at this point, we're all really good at this virtual digital thing. So can I get the press releases and the information and find out what's going on through my inbox? Oh, I can. All right. Well, why don't I just stick it out? And hopefully this will be the last year we have to do this. But I know there's a couple people I know that are there that are covering it in person. And uh, one of them sent me a short video of one of the events they attended, which is at the new Las Vegas football stadium. So the video goes like around the stadium in this panorama. And there's, you know, thousands of empty seats and then it comes back around to what's right in front of them. And there's a small folding table with a handful of products on them and about 10 people standing around the table. And that's it. Mm. So, I mean, even those who are there think it's a little bit on the, almost on the like spooky side. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a lot of years. I think the last one I went to is 2015 or 2016. Mm -hmm. 
Dave McCabe just sent me who I who I'd gone to CES with uh, the last couple of years that I went. He had sent me a a, a, a picture of us there, uh, and that's like, man, that that feels like a million years ago. So, yeah. well, um, it, you still got to cover. We're going to spend the next forty five minutes or so, kind of chatting through a little bit of kind of what the way you've been kind of covering it, and and I appreciate it because you really you really do have kind of come at it from a gadget perspective and, uh, and which is super helpful. Let me, let me cue up my screen up uh, first. Uh, let's talk a little bit about ring launching a much awaited glass breaking sensor, which is a little, when I saw this article for me, a little odd, cause that's been built into the, to the Alexa Amazon devices for a while. Yes. And yeah, now, talk a little bit about it. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise. I mean, it, to be honest, it's something Ring should have done a long time ago when they launched uh, the Gen 1 alarm. They're on Gen 2 now. Ring alarm fans and Ring home smart home fans, I guess, um, have been asking for a glass break sensor, begging even. So it's not surprising that the company's been listening to them and finally brought out this um, kind of hockey puck size and shaped glass break sensor. But, you know, Every other alarm system has this in various different configurations. So it kind of feels like they're playing catch up on it. It's 40 bucks. So it'll be interesting to see how good the microphone in it is and how far it can hear. Because at 40 bucks a pop, you know, you're probably going to need a couple of these throughout your house to hear adequately, at least one on each floor. So it's not cheap. And then the other thing that really surprised me is Ring's whole backup was as part of sort of the Amazon family and the uh, Echo Show network. Their default has been, well, if you have an Alexa device in the house, she has microphones and she will listen for glass break if you set it up within the Alexa app. And that's our glass break sensor. So why would we need another physical sensor? You know, it's just an extra device. But I guess... I guess people want what they want, so they decided to finally put one out. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, I still like, I get it, I get it, but yeah, but maybe, and so maybe people, and we'll talk about this in the next the the next segment that you have as well. Maybe there's some who don't want the listening devices being in their in their homes. Mm-hmm. They like the security of. Uh, and they're in the ring ecosystem and maybe I, I just can't imagine those circle, the intersection of those two circles being that big though. Right. And so, and like you said, for $40 a pop, I mean, during Christmas time, you could get any of the, the dot devices for $50 or 20 yeah. bucks, right. In some cases. And so I, I just, I don't, yeah, like you, I kind of, kind of go, yeah. well, this may be one of those, devices that gets announced and then and either never ships or doesn't ship very long so i would think if if you're in the market for this you should probably buy it right away (laughs) buy it now get it while you can (laughs) because it may go it may go away um pretty quickly along along those same lines when we think about home automation and putting everything together uh homey uh had also announced a kind of a hub right for a lot of home automation let's talk a little bit about that yeah, Homey is a it's been popular in Europe and it's a smart home platform with the promise of and I say promise because it's only just become available or is just becoming available in North America. But you can basically bring together all of your different smart home brands and gadgets 
into one app through one device. And how you do this is you use what's called the homey bridge, which oddly is also shaped and sized like a hockey puck Mm -hmm. and put that in your house. Homey's other thing that it does is it says it's not listening to you. It doesn't have those microphones we were talking about. So it's not going to, you know, listen for wake words and hear your conversation. So they are really pushing the whole privacy aspect of this. But what it does is the Homey bridge will let all of your smart devices, so your Philips Hue, your LifeX, your um, Wemo, whatever you've got at home, connect to its bridge. And then what it does is it brings all those different connections into the Homey app and lets you control everything all in one place, which anyone who's ever tried to set up a smart home or started to set up a smart home and then decided you wanted a gadget from a different entity. And I know at least in my house, life of a tech blogger, I have every different system, every different brand. And, you know, sometimes you've got to talk to Google. Sometimes you've got to talk to a lady to get what you want out of your smart home gadgets. So the promise of this device that you set up one hub, one bridge, essentially, and I think the price on it is $70 and it lets you bring everything together is really enticing. The funny thing though, is that it will work also with voice control. So you can set it up with Google or a lady, which is funny because they're all about privacy, but yet they're working with the devices that are apparently not about privacy. So I don't know, but I guess if you're not really concerned about things listening to you, you will just have to forego the voice control and use the app. But that's the promise of Homey. And I have a review unit on the way, I'm told. So I'm really excited. I'll get to try it out and I can report back in a future episode. I think it gives you choices. That's the thing, right? I mean, you don't, you, you, based on it in, in uh, Brian Hour in chat is, you know, I was saying, who's going to buy this, this ring, you know? And he's like, well, he's got lots of smart things and, and ring, but zero smart speakers. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, now he's in, he's in, he goes, so I'm in that Venn diagram, right? He's he, where those yes. circles come together. He's in that. So there, there may be, there may be more than I think. And I think the, the, you know, this homey device may be the same, may f- fill that need and people will use it in a very niche or niche kind of way in, in the, it's the, they can choose then what they want to put on that or, the, the devices they want to put there. It may, it may make yeah. them fit. I'll be honest. I don't, you know, I have the Philips and I have the, I have the, the, you know, the Google devices and I've got the, the Amazon ones and I've got a bunch of smart stuff and I just kind of prefer them all on their own stuff for the most part. Now mm-hmm. you can put those Amazon's doing a great job. I think of bringing it all together. Your Amazon is is the best hub that I have anyways at this point as far as bringing them all together makes them work pretty well. But I think for some and and I think where this really fits in is this, this Zigbee Z-Wave world mm-hmm. of these other devices that have not necessarily made their way into mainstream. Mm-hmm. Right? So then it adds that A lot of consumers wouldn't even know what Z-Wave if you said <laughs> do you have any Z-Wave device they wouldn't they wouldn't know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, I that's I listen, that's all the behind the scenes stuff, right? I listened to Home On, which is a podcast Richard Gunther. I haven't listened to it in a while, but they're always talking about that those protocols, right? Those those, and I, to be honest with you, I'm not that well versed in it, but I know from listening to them that there there's a ton of home automation stuff that's 
that's not mainstream. And mm -hmm. if you want to integrate it in, I, you know, smart things was one of those where it was mainstream mm -hmm. for a while <laughs> and then it wasn't right. Right. I think Lutron, well, IFTT is another good mm -hmm. example of that, right? Some, some folks know about IFTTT and how to make it work for you. And to other folks, it's a right. very niche techie kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Alex English in the chat says uh, for $20, it'd be a no brainer for that glass break sensor. Uh, so half the price of Agree. what they're going to sell for. Alex, you might want to might want to watch the deal. Set a slick alert deal, or slick deals alert. There we go. Set a slick deals alert for that. You you may see those. I'm going to say March or April time frame. I I just don't. I I I would think those aren't going to sell very well. Um, but yeah. So it we've been talking about, we did, we kind of did a home automation show uh, back in the fall. And I, I, I kind of came to the conclusion, it's still too hard for the average person for the most, yes, for that part. It right? It's just, and you do a lot of that, right. And you're good at it, but do, do, do you get in a situation where you struggle and you're like, ah, this just, Oh my God, working. all the time. There's, um, I did a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel, um, which is Aaron Lawrence TV. If anybody wants to take a look, but about how to set up certain things with a lady. So how to do video calling or how to drop in, which is sort of like a room to room intercom system and a whole bunch of those things, how to create a group call, for example. And I'm not even exaggerating. It took me days to figure it out, trial and error, write it up, then try and explain it, for example, to my in-laws who are in their you know late 70s. Like, yeah, just follow these 10 steps on your A-Lady device. Yeah. And they were just mystified. So, I mean, I had to go over to their house and do it just so that we could have a two-way conversation. And, you know, if anything ever happens with that connection, that's it. We're done. Like, I'm going to have to go over and perform tech support again. So, a lot of these things are not super easy. And if you have the patience to figure them out and to follow some of those step-by-step how-tos and videos and whatnot... That's great, but they're not as intuitive as they really should be, in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree. And man, don't let your Wi-Fi go down in the middle of it. No, right? you know, uh, Hubitat has been, and we've had them on the show. We've talked about they've tried to be that hub as well, and their their spot is to say we still work even when your internet doesn't, which is you know another drawback. That's a great to home, premise, right? Yeah. No, no a, a big drawback to home automation. By the way, Hubitat, if you're a listener and you're in that ecosystem, they have been, they, they had a lot of good deals going on over Christmas. So if you, uh, like everybody, seem like everybody did, if you haven't uh, upgraded on that, you might want to check into it as well. Aaron, uh, last time you were on the show, we actually cost uh, Ed Sullivan a whole bunch of money because you said buy a robot vacuum cleaner. He did because you told <laughs> oh, him to. Oh, damn it, Ed. I did. <laughs> you did. I should have waited. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about this one. So you go back the D bot X one, that sounds pretty impressive, but, uh, and I'm assuming at this point you haven't got to see this one, but this was a CES release as well, right? Definitely. So I've tried a few Ecovac spots and full disclosure, I will say I've done uh, a couple of sponsored posts for them. They've sent me the vacuums and, and asked me to promote them or at least share um, what the bots will do. This one just came out at CES. So the X1, there's three versions, I guess, of this bot. But the key 
thing here that it's got is it not only empties out the dustbin, which a lot of them do right now, to be honest. This one also will empty the water tank in the built-in mop and refill it for you. So it's they're finding a way, these manufacturers, to take care of a lot of the humdrum tasks, I guess. Um, I've got a couple of robot vacuums that I've tried in the past where if you don't empty the onboard dustbin, the one that's inside the actual bot, and it keeps going out and cleaning, it essentially can't pick anything up. It just gets stuffed so full that it's useless. So you finally open up the back, you're like, oh my God, it's overflowing. You empty it and then, you know, it'll start to clean again. The great thing about these auto emptying bots is that when they're full, they just go back to their base station they evacuate the inside and then they go back out and do their cleaning again. The X1 here, this Ecovax one, um, will do essentially the same thing with the mopping. So it'll do, it'll take out all the debris, it'll refill the water tank, uh, send it back out. And then, you know, you don't essentially have to worry about a thing for, if not weeks, I'm not quite sure what the time frame for it is, uh, at least for several days. So that's, pretty enticing for anyone who's ever had a robot vacuum that is not performing services according to plan because it's full or empty in that case. Uh, they're billing uh, the the vac is no digital assistance needed or that's your, your title. Does it, you really can talk right to it? Yeah. So it's got this new, I, I think it's called natural language processing engine that lets you speak directly to the robot. And I'm again, I'm not sure, I haven't gotten hands-on with this one yet, so I'm not sure if there's a microphone in the base station or in the robot, but whereas now you can ask your digital assistant to ask your robot to clean the house or to clean whatever room, it has room-specific cleaning, as a lot of them do. Um, this one lets you talk directly to it. So it's actually kind of an interesting step in that it eliminates the need for Google or a lady to be in your home. So we were talking about that whole privacy thing. I mean, I guess this robot is listening to you, listening for your commands. Um, so I'm actually really curious about how that works and how well it works because anybody who had a first generation Google or A-Lady device uh, knows they were pretty imperfect in those first couple of generations mm -hmm. and you know would become very confused and weren't sure what to do. So, you know, assuming they've used those years of tech smarts to get this voice natural language interface right, this could be really cool. Yeah. Well, I think we're getting to that point. You can kind of embed that as a service in just about mm -hmm. everything, right? I mean, I we're we're to that point. It's it's fairly mature. Um, I you said, Ed, you shouldn't have bought it because maybe you would have saved them some money, but at fifteen hundred dollars. Pretty expensive vacuum cleaner, right? This is a very expensive cleaner. Now, I think it might have been iRobot that started this off where they had the vacuum bot and then the mopping bot. And then, you know, the follow-up generation of that was that they could work together and the vacuum would go out and then it would essentially tag the mop in and then the mop would go out and clean up. And so you had to have two bots and then they'd, you know, take hours to clean your house. The new generation of bots will do both simultaneously, which I think is super smart. So you got to pay for that technology somewhere, I think, Jim. And, yeah. you know, 1500 bucks for the mop, the vacuum, all the maintenance. I think the water tank in that one might be close to four liters. I'm not sure how much that is in gallons. Sorry. Um, but 
that's a lot. That's it's a lot of water. Mm -hmm. So not surprisingly, very expensive. I do think though, speaking of sales, it's definitely going to come down, you know, probably close to next Christmas, I would say. It, you know, I think everybody's making the same looking vacuum cleaner. Like mm-hmm. all of these, you know, we saw all the same kind of vacuum cleaners uprights until Dyson kind of came along and was like, let's rethink the vacuum cleaner. And then, of course, Shark and all those. And they, you know, we, we got some innovation on it. When I look at these now, they all look the same. They're all round. Yes. They're all the same size for really no good reason. Like you, you think about it, you're like, well, yeah, maybe to be able to get under furniture and some of those kinds of things. But is there a reason they all have to be 12 inches or 14 inches or whatever they are, right? Do they all have to be? I'd, I'd kind of like to see. I actually think they're too small. Like this mm. is a device that... <laughs> When I get my vacuum cleaner out and running it, I'm expecting noise and suction and like cleaning. And I think they're, I know they say they're kind of powerful, but I mean, how much power can you really get in a little puck? Right. I'd like to see some, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say that I always tell people that if you're looking for a robot vacuum to replace your upright, you're looking in the wrong place. That's, that's not what these are designed to do. Robot vacuums tend to be that that go between between yeah. full vacuums with a large and powerful upright. It'll pick up the pet hair tumbleweeds that you get. It'll pick up, you know, the stray leaves that come in as you're going in and out every day. It's not powering dirt out of all your carpet fibers. So these are kind of helper devices to me. I love your point though about they could be bigger because the thing that some of these companies are doing now is they're making the robots and these new base stations that they're all coming with. They're either making them almost into furniture or they're making them fit under furniture. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. If you could make a robot vacuum, that's maybe twice as big as some of the ones that we're seeing now and half as tall that could live under your sofa, you'd never have to see it. And it could cover a lot more area all at once. Like that's a cool design idea for it. I think. Yeah. I just think there's some, there's some other applications, you know, we, we, we've seen some of them that can navigate stairs, you know, these would never navigate stairs. Nope. Right. And so there may be some applications and I'll be honest, like I, I want a more powerful, I'd, I'd pay for a little more powerful of a vacuum cleaner, you know, the one, yeah. Okay. Light duty in between. No, no. I want, if it's a robot, I wanted to actually do the robot things, right. Be a ro- be a full robot. and clean my house, you know, in the process. Well, I bet that'll be the next thing, right? Because we're every year, it seems there's a new innovation. And this Mm -hmm. year, it's the self-cleaning and self-refilling mopping bot. But in future years, if it's bots that can go up and down the stairs, so it can clean the different floors of your house and figure that out on its own. My sister was asking me, um, she was surfing for a, a new robot vacuum. And she said, well, this one says it will clean multiple floors. But how does it do that? How does it get up and down the stairs? And I said, no, no, no. It will map different floors, but you have to physically carry it up or down the stairs to the different levels of your house. So some of them will map up to three or four levels, which is great. But you have to put it on the level and start going. So if the newer 
you know, the new robot vacuum at CES 2023 or 2024 is one that can get itself up and down the stairs and figure out where it is near home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ed's mind yeah. is going to be blown. No, I think we're there. I actually, I, I think we have the, te- I just think we need an engineer yeah. that can come up with it, make it the right price that, you know, that kind of deal. $1,500 for a robot that would do that. Uh, like all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, okay. If that could replace it for me, Brian in the chat says, I could see this type of device being adapted for large square foot retail stores, especially with rising wages and labor shortages. Um, and maybe a bigger version of it that would, you know, that would, could run overnight. Um, Brian Hour said like a carpet broom. Uh, Brian says one designed to clean a, the wood shop or a garage, right? A little more, kind of a little more industrial, you know, that yeah. can handle kind of shop vac there. style. Uh, vacuum. Uh, Andrew says a vac- vacuum the carpet and then go out and mow the lawn. That's not, hey, for me, that's hey. not would be such probably. Joe thinks maybe a little liability in the, in the one on retail. Um, although (laughs) Brian says maybe overnight, right. That, that concept. Um, so I think, I do think there's some, some space for innovation in this and and like that base station does not, if, okay, if it can navigate stairs and it's a little more industrial, it doesn't need to be, um, in the kitchen. Like, they're, they all have yeah. these, and so they make these really elegant-looking base stations that are kind of in the kitchen. I, I don't, I don't want it in my kitchen. Like, I let, let me hide that thing somewhere. Well, here's the thing. So I just wrote this story today. Um, Samsung is doing so. Samsung has had what's called bespoke appliances for I want to say like two years now. And the bespoke appliances let you put like different panels on the front or a different color panel on the fridge versus the freezer. And it blends in and it makes it look more like a piece of cabinetry, I guess. So they've extended this to vacuums. So Samsung's jet vacuum is their stick vac handheld vac model. Now they have a bespoke version of this vacuum. And the press release from the company actually touts it as, you know, something you're going to want to leave in the living room when your friends come over. And it comes in all these luxurious colors like green and pink and navy blue and whatever. And I just thought, I like where they're going with this, that appliances don't have to be ugly just because they're utilitarian. But there's going to be a long way to go before I am putting, you know, even some of these robot vacuums out in the living room mm-hmm. for all to see. And, you know, mm-hmm. one one of these vacuums in particular, I think it was, oh, I can't remember which brand. There's been so many this this CES. But the base station is the, is the size of a side table. So it's massive. You could put drinks on it. You could actually integrate it into your home furnishings. So... I mean, that's the two ways to look at it. Do we want them to be on display, on view, and look good? Or do we want to find ways to minimize them, make them smaller, and hide them? And I think the companies would prefer it if they were on full display so all your friends could get jealous about your amazing technology. Sure. Well, in in the space, you know, I bought this device that would close a door automatically if there's a fire in the house. And I forget, I'm forgetting now what it's called. Um, I never, I never ended up installing it because my doors <laughs> aren't strong enough to, like the, the it. I mean, it it's got a really, you know, it, it's going to move that door. Oh, okay. so so um, but I I would think p- let's put the base station in the garage, and when the thing comes on, it can open my garage door. 
like you know we're we're probably to yeah. that point now where it is it's coming in it opens the garage door comes into the house and does its business and that that sounded bad and then, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that kind of business not but that kind of business. the cleaning business the <laughs> other kind and uh, then when it's done it puts itself away in the garage that would be incredible like just just that just by the way the robot mower should do the same thing it should right. put itself away in the shed or yes. or the garage right how cool is well that? that was another there was another innovation that i that i noticed at ces which was um there's a company that's put out a smart door mm-hmm. so you know we all put smart lighting outside our front doors and smart locks on the front door and a ring video doorbell on the smart front door so that's another new innovation. There's a company that's putting out a full smart door. So you get like the full door package. It's got LED lighting integrated into it, which you can set on schedule, control with your phone. It comes with a Yale smart lock already installed. And that lock does not need batteries because the whole door frame is now wired into the electrical system of your house with the battery backup so that if the power does go out, everything still works. So that whole integrated smart home thing, I think, Jim, is going to be the next thing that we're all seeing. Now, with that said, I think that's great. But what if I'm a Google person? What if I don't want to integrate myself with the Ring Smart Alarm? What if I prefer a different type of locking mechanism? What if I want color changing smart lights instead of white LEDs? So it's kind of a great idea, but you end up being stuck with whatever's built in and you you really can't do much about that. So there's good and there's bad. Andrew says, hashtag do not want. Uh, so <laughs> do not want smart door. Um, well, man, smart doors. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole different when we think of and not doors, but smart locks in particular mm-hmm. are a whole different, uh, you know, kind of conversation. And do, do I, you know, do I want that? Do I want to let Amazon unlock my door, drop the package inside, lock it back up for me, right? There's a lot of trust associated with those. Mm-hmm. So I, um, you know, I was in the market. I, I really thought at one point I was going to pull the trigger on that iRobot and didn't. And I'm still kind of glad I didn't in some ways. I'd like to get the mop, but our kitchen just isn't big enough to really warrant the cost for that. We can just kind of mop it you know it's one of those kind yeah. of things it'd almost be more work to set it up to have yes. the robot mop it than just to mop it it's not that big so well and the mops are improving too jim so i mean even if you did want something for your kitchen one of the new ones i saw today has actual scrubbing pads on the bottom so most of the robot mops that you would get today have like a mopping plate and it's got a microfiber cloth and it will just sort of drag that damp cloth across your floor and they call that mopping it's really wiping yeah if we're being honest um and that's fine and to some extent you know it keeps the muddy paw prints down and it keeps the dust at bay which is great but the new one i saw today had these dual spinning mopping pads and then you know that self-cleaning mopping and stuff built in so you know, they're getting better at actually scrubbing, which a lot of the mops can't do right now. And I mean, mop is also kind of a misnomer for what these devices do, because mop implies like, you know, if I spill a liter of milk on the floor, I can send the robot out and it's going to clean it up. Not so with today's smart mops. Mm -hmm. They are, they are, they are dust wipers. They are not shop vacs or hoovers. 
wow you just hammered like like i, I would definitely <laughs> not buy a smart mop at this point um but you know what it it is to, if you if you put the mop in the same category you put the vacuum which is light duty in between mm-hmm. um you know yes. i'm i'm supplemental I, I do yeah i do the vacuuming here at the house and so it, 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 I actually, as we've been talking about this, I've been experimenting with, okay, how, cause I was doing it every week and I was like, I wonder how long I could wait. Like, as I was thinking about buying one of these, like, okay, what would that mean to me if I skipped some weekends? And I actually went four weeks, uh, you know, I was like, yeah. oh no, it's still kind of clean. It's okay. We'll let it go another week. And it, some people call that lazy, but I, <laughs> I did, I was, it was an experiment. Don't judge me. <laughs> So, no, it's um, science. <laughs> exactly. It science. I, all these listeners are judging me now. They're like, geez, how dare you? Well, <laughs> you vacuum all the time then. So, but it was, it did, um, you know, it did get me to see that like, okay, you know, even, even going a month, we don't, we just don't have that much need in the mm-hmm. way we traffic our house to the, the robot vacuum cleaner would, would be okay. It may actually extend it to where I only have to vacuum every six weeks as opposed to once a month or whatever. Right. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm you still. You know what I will on. say though? I was, I would, I'm with you. It's just my husband and I here and our two dogs. And I would say, if you ask me, I would say we're very tidy. We don't track in a lot of dirt. You know, the shoes come off of the door. If mm-hmm. something gets spilled or falls, we sweep it up right away. So when I first started reviewing robot vacuums, I thought they're not going to be helpful here. And let me tell you, Mm. I think I said this to Ed, the amount of dirt that it picks up that you have no idea is down there when you think your house is clean, because you're emptying the dustbin out of this thing, unless you get one of these new ones that does it itself. It's shocking. It is really surprising. I thought we had a very clean home. And every damn time I emptied the dustbin out of one of these robot vacuums, and and I have three in the house right now. So that's, it's surprising. There's so much in there that I'm just like, wow, we are doing something very wrong. Yeah. You're no, you're probably right. You're because, well, it also will vacuum in different areas that I Yes. I can't, I can't vacuum. So yeah. it's some diversity in vacuuming, which is good. I think we all need vacuuming oh, I like that. diversity. Diversity in vacuuming. Uh, you should so sell that good. to, uh, to iRobot as a tagline. A new, that's a right. new... <laughs> Andrew thinks your dog is secretly a Boston Dynamics prototype <laughs> that's in there. Oh, what's the dog's name? We saw him, her. Briefly. That was Kika. We have a, she's a black lab shepherd. She, so she is very long, lean and tall. And she climbed mm-hmm. up into, uh, into the frame while I was chatting earlier. Brian is judging me. Says once a month, my mom would ground you. <laughs> I don't do that all the time, Brian. It was just a test. It was science, science. just to kind of see if I how, how long I could go. I, it was a little bit of laziness too. I was kind of like, eh, <laughs> let's just kind of see. Well, uh, the last one I want to go over here before we run out of time with you today. In this is near and dear to my heart because I have nine monitors. Uh, <laughs> Oh do gosh. you actually have I nine? Do. I do have nine. Like where you are right now uh-huh. or just between home and the office? No, no. I have three more. <laughs> I have three more in the office. Yeah, no, I have nine just on my desk here. Now I count the laptop screens wow. as screens. Sure. Uh, don't count the tablets and phones that I'm using as monitoring oh. devices in that. So I have nine. Okay. Including the, but the Samsung curved 55 inch Odyssey Arc monitor that also rotates. Now I have not ever thought of taking a curved screen and putting it in portrait mode 
tell me a little bit about this screen. Yeah, there's some um, writers apparently, and and I'm, I'm I am a writer, and this has never really occurred to me. But a lot of writers like to work in portrait mode because you can see your document developing as you're writing it, and you can you know scroll up and down through the document and see more of your real estate. They love it. Um, great for people who do a lot of social media. You know, if you're doing Instagram stories or TikTok videos, you're living in a vertical world. So having a monitor that can flip around and adapt to you is kind of enticing. Um, I think it was, it was either Samsung or LG two years ago at CES actually announced a TV that was on its own motorized mount that would go vertical or horizontal depending on what you were watching. So there's starting to be a case for this kind of, you know, vertical, horizontal, multi-purpose screens that we can use to maximize whatever it is we're viewing. So this monitor, though, is I was actually really surprised by how it looks because it's curved, not just in the direction you think it is, which is that it wraps kind of around your field of field of vision. But the the monitor itself is also concave. So it really goes to kind of wrapping around your entire being. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if I would like this. I've only recently added a widescreen monitor to my own setup. And I'm like, wow, it's so big. Like there's so much going on. I don't know if I like this or not. So if I had this monitor that was also like coming around over my head almost, which is sort of what this thing looks like it's doing. And at 55 inches, let's be honest, like that's the size of a lot of smaller TVs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how you possibly see everything this, this way, but it's kind of an enticing prospect and a cool idea. And I mean, for creative types or gamers or those TikTokers who really want to see everything they're doing, it's kind of a neat idea. It'll be interesting to see if it gets some uptake. The pictures I'm showing on the video are just giving it some scale. And and I guess until I really looked at these pictures, the one we're looking at right now really gives you a great indication of scale. This is a huge monitor, right? Yeah. And listen, I uh, like I'm in heaven. Like I could <laughs> imagine myself podcasting on this monitor for for a couple of reasons. One it gets me three 1080p like screens, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yep. One on top of the other. In a, from a podcasting standpoint, I could have you and the podcast right in the middle and then a full screen yep. below it and above it, right? Which gives me, you know, maybe the chat is down below and then whatever we're looking at from a screen perspective is above. I have an ultra wide today, ultra wide. I think I have a 34 inch ultra wide. Mm -hmm. You got to get a little bit wider to that to get true, uh, like a true, 1080, two 1080s out of it. I mean, you got to work mm -hmm, to get two mm -hmm. 1080s out of it. Right? It's got to be really, really wide. Yeah. From a display on screen standpoint here, it's beneficial to me, the wider, the better. And so to, yes. to kind of have that space and be able to use it from a podcast, this would, here's, I want two of these. One, like I want one in front of me and one to the right of me and have six <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Six screens. The thing that I keep seeing is that it's it curves so far above you. You know, most of us try and work at eye level yeah, and in, yeah. in our field of view. Yeah. But this one is truly, I mean, you would really need to sit back and you definitely need to look up. Yeah. And yeah. 
you know, when you go to the movies, nobody wants to sit in the front row where you've got to kind of crane your neck and do that. Right. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe, and maybe it's in how far away you sit from that monitor, but it's uh, it, I thought it was a really cool idea and you know, yeah. the vertical horizontal option is pretty cool too. With the, uh, what we're showing now is kind of the horizontal look and how curved that is at 55 inches. It's got a very extreme curve to it. It would, it would need to, this it's would almost like a boomerang. Yeah. Th- this would almost be uh, okay. So to be as crazy as I'm going to be to have two of these or four, where they um, actually kind of wrap, they kind of wrap around you. You almost get uh, not quite, not like quite one eighty, yeah, not not quite one eighty, but pretty close. I mean, uh, so so imagine having two in front, right? So it's wrapping one eighty, and then you've got some that are going up from that over the top of you. So. <laughs> Oh, that would be You're so You're in good. heaven, Jim. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's that listen, people when I tell people I've got all these monitors, they're like, really? Do you use them all? I'm like, every single one. Yeah. Every day. It's just the way I'm it's just the way I process stuff. I want to see it. Yeah. You know, I got my cameras and I will on say, having those additional monitors, because I work on a laptop a lot of the time. And for many years I did not have another screen. I finally added another screen about a year and a half ago, just a like a <laughs> a regular size one, like a 20-inch monitor. Yeah. And yeah. then I've gone to, I've experimented with a variety of um bigger and widescreen monitors. And it makes a huge difference. I mean, you can have so many things happening at once. Or for me, if I'm, you know, editing a video and then reading a script and then I want to keep an eye on you know, my email for something I'm waiting for, like you can see all of that stuff at once and it's really helpful. And it's really hard to go back to one small, you know, 17 inch laptop screen after you've had all of that real estate. It's impossible. It's um, at work. um, I had brought home my Dell. I have a Dell uh, ultra wide that I brought home during COVID. We just got them. And so I went and they allowed us to bring them home. So I brought it home. I liked it so much about my own that took that back to work. And then I've actually have a 24 inch on a, you know, that you can, that you can, that's on a, um, mm-hmm. a swivel. You call that a swivel. Thank you. And I leave it in portrait mode full time mm. because there's some applications I do at work where I need portrait and uh, two in particular, by the way, teams is a million times better in portrait portrait mode than it is oh. in landscape. So even if you had a small little monitor that you were using just for teams, like that'd be ideal for a little, a little 20 inch monitor in portrait or a little, even 22 in portrait for teams they're perfect. Like it's the perfect uh, orientation for it. Um, so like I've left that, you know, and our office is a little thin in people coming in. So it's not like anybody's Jones in for monitors at the moment. So I've got a bunch on my desk. It's super productive. And, you know, I, I, it's just, I'm finding these different orientations to be yeah. very, well, very and the helpful. costs have come way down. I mean, it used to be, you were spending big bucks for a monitor and you can get, I think my, the LG, the 34 inch that I'm trying right now was about three or 400 yep. bucks. Yep. And I mean, yeah. those yep. aren't even the super ultra thin ones. I mean, right. if you want a 34 inch in that, you know, half inch thickness, that's all glass you're paying a thousand bucks, 1200 bucks for that, but you can still get a good widescreen monitor for just a few hundred bucks. Well, and I think you can get in the, in the 37 to 42 range. I think you can go 
five or six hundred bucks as long as you're not expecting huge resolution. This is where they get more mm-hmm. expensive, right? The higher the resolution, the more expensive they're going to be. But I think you can even get a really, really, really good one. And, and let's say f- maybe like a 49. That may be mm-hmm. too big. That may be too big. But 49, they're 12 or 1300 bucks. And, you know, you yeah. kind of think like, I mean, monitors last forever. And so you kind of think. They really like, do. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're kind of like, well, okay, it's a thousand bucks. I mean. You're going to have it for 10 or 12 years. You're going to have it a while. And it's going to be a great. If you game at all, if you're doing any mm-hmm. kind of monitoring from a productivity standpoint, if you're home working more at home than you're working away, I mean, man, that thing could pay for itself pretty, yeah, pretty fast. So, well, the, and the new Samsung Frame TV, for example, and I think mm-hmm. there's that's probably not the only one, but you can screen mirror your laptop or your computer onto the TV. So, talk about wanting like a really big screen experience. If you just want to sit on the on the couch and do your work on the biggest screen in the house, that's already a reality. Yeah. I'm not sure that's great for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the, Have I, you tried I, it? I, well, no, but I, I don't want it. It's crazy thing is I don't want to do it. Like I've thought about turning. You probably don't want to be working in that room either, yeah, right? Like yeah. for a lot of us, work happens not in the areas where cooking and dining right. and Right, hanging out happens. Uh, watching right? movies, those kinds of things. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That just doesn't seem... Part of it is maybe I haven't had a big enough, high enough resolution TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still, I'm really still, I don't even have a 4K TV. You don't I'm have still, a 4K? I, I do not, no. Jim. No. Well, okay. Listen, I only watch about four movies a year on the TV that I have. So I don't, like, my wife, what 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 she's watching, it's good enough. Like, she, yeah. and I'm down here. I'd rather spend money on monitors. Right. Because this is, to be honest, this is where I watch movies. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, so not having a 4K TV at this point, it's fine. But I I would, so going that big with that poor resolution would be really bad. Yes. Yeah. Not worth it. But if you're going to ever upgrade, it might be a game changer for you. Yeah, no, for sure. And we're going to be doing some, actually some renovation, like old school renovation, like you, you guys have been doing down in that Ooh. area. And so it starts with more construction type stuff. I got to replace some windows and do some painting and put some new stuff in and some wiring to kind of support what we're doing. But eventually it'll come around to the entertainment center. So yeah. maybe, maybe there's it took me new... four years to get my Samsung frame TV on my wall. Yeah. So Okay. Worth it though. Worth the wait. I've got, I've got some, I, I know you got to go, but let me ask you one quick question before you do that. What do you, with all these things that are going CES, what are you looking forward to the most actually becoming a reality in, in, in 2022? Mm. Anything that you're really excited about that you saw? I'm really excited. I'm naturally excited probably, but robot vacuums. I've, mm. I said it earlier. I kind of thought they were a bit of a gimmick and probably not worth you know, worth getting at one point. And having had a bunch and tried almost every major brand out now, I think they're really cool. So I'm looking forward to trying out some of these new self-cleaning, self-refilling, and particularly the scrubbing mop that I was looking at today. So I'm excited about that. Um, There's new smart faucets coming out that have not just voice control, but gesture control. So you can actually, you know, 
I'm not quite sure how this works, but like wave your hand in a certain way and it'll know whether to put out hot, cold or warm that water. That's crazy. That seems crazy. That's like danger. I talk with my hand. Like <laughs> oh, no. The water wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> Stop. Turn it off. And I'm spending more time than Maybe ever in the, in the kitchen. Maybe it's safe for the shower. I'm spending way more time in the kitchen than I ever have because I'm cooking so much more. Yeah. And so oh, and cooking it, robots. There's so many cooking yeah, robots out, which we yeah. haven't even been able to touch on. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have yeah. you. We'll have to have you back later in the spring uh, to talk a little bit more about those. When you come back in the spring, we'll talk a little more about solar generators too. I want to, I was going to do that tonight. Um, uh, I didn't realize you needed to get, get out of here. So we'll have you back and chat a little bit about solar generators. Mike's been teasing me about them. I've kind of ignored them, but all of a sudden in the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of like, you know, maybe there's a space in the house for some batteries, Mm -hmm. some solar panels and, not to go the full, not to have to go the full shebang to see the benefits of it. I'm still trying to figure out where that sweet spot is for this. Yeah. So maybe we can. Uh, it's in, it's in a camper van, Jim, but we'll talk about that another time. I, I made sure I got that hashtag van life on uh, on Twitter to see if I can get that. So next time we have you on, we'll spend some time talking about solar. Power. Aaron, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Stay warm. Hopefully it'll start to uh, warming up for you there. And appreciate it. And sorry you didn't get to go to CES, but thanks for all the coverage that you did as well. Of course. And thanks for having me on the podcast. You bet. Thanks thanks for coming. Have a good night. Take care. You too. For those of you staying around live, just a couple announcements uh, as we let Aaron go. Uh, A couple announcements for you guys going forward. First of all, thanks for all the the chat. Uh, Andrew was spending a little time talking about uh, bikes. You know, some of these things get pretty good bike and you, you could, you get a, you get a pretty good video card, you know, as we think about what's coming up uh, in, in 2022. Maybe maybe video cards will be a little easier to find, Brian, for you in 2022. And um, uh, so, yeah. And then uh, Brian says to my statement about having uh, using my hands to talk, all of Italy would run out of water if there were gesture-based um you know, faucets available. Brian, thanks for that, uh, for, for your thanks as well. And of course, Aaron says, have a great night all. Thanks for listening. Um, and Aaron, thank you for coming out tonight. Appreciate that. A couple reminders on the way out. One, if you want to support us on Patreon and always, of course, always appreciate that. Uh, the average guy.tv slash Patreon. We have a $5 plan. If you feel the need, if you don't, if you just been listening, that's fine too. Just do it, do it that way. Always appreciate you guys just doing what you do. Join us in the Discord group, and if you haven't done that yet, a few of you just joined uh, this week, but if you haven't joined us in Discord, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord, like I said in the beginning of the show, Mike and I will be doing a Discord post-show on the uh, the last Thursday of the month. So 27th of January, we'll be out there. So we'll do the show, we'll drop it, we'll head over to Discord. He'll walk us through getting all that done, and uh, and we'll be on Discord. And that'll be fun. Everybody will have a you guys can talk. We can have a little conversation. And uh, and so appreciate uh, Mike helping me with that and getting that done. Theaverageguy.tv slash Discord if you want to get there. Leave us a message. Leave me a message if you'd like. I'd love to be able to play those messages on the show. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. If you want to send me a beer or if, <laughs> feedback either way. Again, John, thanks for the nitro. Man, this has been delicious. Here's the deal. Like, I drank. We, you had to be at the pre-show for the beer pour, but. I drank most of the beer and almost none of the bourbon. So the, the beer was really good. 
and uh and john so i appreciate it. you want to send me beer uh to to pour on the show always appreciate that jim at the average guy.tv and we can get that arranged follow me on twitter at jay collison and of course web and media hosting powered by maple grove partners um christian is on the show next week so uh whatever day that is this is the sixth so the 13th of january christian's coming on to kind of catch up get us caught up on some stuff and so of course but uh get secure reliable high-speed hosting from people that you know and you get a chance to talk to them uh next week visit maplegrovepartners.com plant no inflation there plans still as little as ten dollars a month and you can get things. That's a great, that's a pretty great deal. And he'll lock that in for a while. So if you want to get that done, uh, maplegrovepartners.com. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, and, uh, and appreciate you and you guys No post show, of course, uh, with, with, uh, with, with that, with just me, that's, I'm not, you, you guys know me. I'm not the biggest fan of going solo. Uh, on this, uh, although I, I appreciate you guys in the chat room uh, being out there. And um, thanks for coming out tonight. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv forward slash live. And we'd love to have you out here. If you're a regular podcast listener, maybe you make it your resolution to come out in the month of January or whenever and join us for a live show. Andrew, Brian, um, John, Joe, uh, who else was out there tonight? I saw Ken a little bit earlier, Brian Hour, Alex English. Thanks for coming out and being part of the show. I can't, to be honest, I can't do it without you guys. We, I kind of, you know, a fourth of the show is your guys' comments. So I appreciate you guys doing that, and I couldn't do it without you. We'll be back next Thursday. Uh, with Christian and uh, I'm looking forward to that show. Looking forward to catching up with him, seeing what's going on and, uh, and hopefully we'll have Mike back as well. Thanks for coming out with that. We'll say goodbye, everybody.